0: to pull money out because you're just in a bad, dire situation, but those are extreme situations. But if you have 401Ks, as much as I'm not a fan of 401K loans, that's a better option uh, is taking a loan out from your 401K paying interest back yourself than actually taking a withdrawal out and paying the penalty. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen.
1: Welcome in to Retirement Reality Podcast. I'm Ben George. He is Mike Coynan founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services. We're going to be talking about the worst financial products today. It's uh, it's going to be a fun conversation, mm. and we're going to get Mike to clear up some things for us in terms of bad financial products, things that might not work out for you. At least don't match up with your financial goals. So that'll be our main conversation today. We've got a couple of mailbag questions later. We'll answer from listeners And, of course, we want to start with a little bit of headline to open things up. So we're going to get away from all what's been in the news for the last couple of months and talk about a recent study from the Department of Treasury. It showed that every every dollar that Americans are saving in their retirement accounts, they're pulling out 20 cents too early, meaning that it's getting taxed and it's getting penalized. This seems pretty bad, right?
0: Yeah, it's uh, ridiculous. There's no point of, of ta- putting money in retirement if you're going to take that retirement dollars off, you know, out right away. So sometimes that's why it's important. That maybe people are over uh, contributing beyond their means. It's hard to tell people to back off there. But if you're you're so tight with your finances and you're putting too much contributions into your retirement, you don't have any re- you know reserves, any emergency funds, and then you're using those IRAs or 401ks as your backup plan. Well, if you're under 59 and a half, you're going to be penalized for that. So don't be doing that. So you might need to back off your contributions so you don't get penalized. It's just counterproductive. So definitely do not do that. Do not pull out your retirement accounts before retirement.
1: Yeah. That's uh, seems like, I mean, I guess there's certain situations where people have to, but like you said, I guess you need to try to decide how much you're willing to put in there. And I guess that money is stuff that, you know, you, when you wanna put that into your retirement accounts, you gotta know that's something you you cannot touch for 20, 30, whatever amount of years it is.
0: Yeah, there's always exceptions to the rule. There's always some situations that pop up, and we're talking about maybe one out of 100 that you're in a bad situation, lost a job, bad health, and uh, you need to pull money out because you're just in a bad, dire situation but those are extreme situations but if you have 401k's as much as I'm not a fan of 401k loans that's a better option uh, is taking a loan out from your 401k paying interest back yourself than actually taking withdrawal out and paying the penalty so just look at some better options and before you just make some knee jerk reaction talk to some professional to give you the the best option on how to do that
1: yeah, definitely. And, and Principal Preservation Services is uh, a great asset for you, can be. Mike and his team will help you uh, with those planning options and determine what other options you have besides pulling that money out if it gets to that point. But make sure you, you visit their website, principalpreservationservices.com. Not just if you have questions, but also a lot of resources there. Uh, and you also can find a way to get Mike's book mama's secret recipe for retirement success. You can read it there. Mike's also on TV, WCCO TV as well. You can listen to him talk about some of these conversations and expand on them there as well. Well, our main topic of conversation today is on the worst financial products. So You know, there might not be such a thing as a bad financial product necessarily, but there are certainly inappropriate investments out there for people in certain situations. So we're going to explore some of those examples, uh, those kinds of situations that you might get yourself into on this episode. And you might be surprised just how common it is for people to be invested in products that are ill-suited for their financial goals. So. First things first, Mike, uh, would you agree with that statement that there really aren't any bad financial products out there, just ones that don't fit well for certain people?
0: Uh, yeah, and we see that all the time. It's, there's no perfect you know, magic pill of investments. There's no perfect one investment product fits all, and that's the whole whole thing. There's, there's a lot of certain investments out there that really aren't designed for the majority of population, but sometimes we see way too many people have those, and it, it's not fitting. But that's why it's important to have be properly diversified over different asset classes and different levels of risk and making sure that you're, before you make those investments, that it's actually, you know, actually your best interest and it's uh, going to be a good fit and something that's, it's, if you're getting close to retirement, you're not going to want to be in something that's, you can't take money out of your account, you know, for crying out loud. So <laughs> it gets, some of these things we've seen is, is really baffling why they'd even sign the papers to do that. But yeah, I agree. Long answers, you know, short, short answer long. There's a lot of good investments out there, but it doesn't necessarily they're all good for everybody. That's for sure.
1: Right. Can you think back on an example of that and and think about maybe the time we saw the worst fitting financial product in someone's portfolio when they came to visit you for the first time?
0: Yeah, I I see these every week, actually. So this is nothing new to us. Um, But just off top of my head, a few years ago, one that I really didn't like was, you know, we have, you know, you've heard of self-directed IRAs and you can actually put out your IRA money is in a lot of different things now. And I actually had, uh, you know, a prospect who came into our office and he actually had rolled a bunch of his IRA money into a local building project. So it was, and I've never seen anything like this before. But his IRA dollars were tied into this future building project for some local grocery store that was supposed to go up. And what I he brought the contract. It was the goofiest thing. And what happened? This whole deal fell apart. That they weren't going to build this big high-v grocery store in this area. And uh, he was supposed to get his be able to get his money back. It was a decent rate of return on it but he was supposed to get his money back like two years prior to when I met him and he still couldn't get his money out. And I said, well, here's the problem. I said, when you're, you know, now the rules change because of the Secure Act, but I said at 70 and a half, I said, how are you gonna get your RMDs out of this account? This is all your IRAs. He goes, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, I really don't know. And so we called uh, the place who actually hold the, held the money and we said, what is going on? How's he gonna get his, his money out to pay his required minimum distributions when he has to. And they didn't have an answer either. So um, that was about the worst I've ever seen. And I also, I would say a second to that, we see a lot of uh, non-publicly traded REITs, real estate investment trusts that are not publicly traded. And those are illiquid for a uh, period of time. And so when we see clients IRAs get put into those accounts again when the IRS will force you to take your required minimum distributions. Is that really your best interest? And um, again we see a lot of those REITs they tell you when you can get money out when you can't. So we actually have a client who has a REIT when he became a client of ours last year he was supposed to have that REIT was supposed to be finalized two years ago and it still hasn't been finalized. Now it's supposed to be sometime this spring. Uh, We'll see if that happens but again his IRA money is tied up in that and if you don't get that money out before before you have to take out your RMDs you're going to have to take out your RMDs somewhere else but if that's all your IRAs you're going to have some IRS 50% tax penalties so be very very careful in these illiquid accounts putting IRA dollars in
1: well you mentioned you you see this all the time i mean a weekly basis you're finding this but When you talk to clients, I mean, do they typically understand how they got into these investments and and made these decisions in the first place?
0: It's blind faith. That's that's how they get (laughs) into it. So when they... You know they go to some advisor's office. they just assume all advisors have to put their best interest first. They're not really understanding that you know the fiduciary rules and the broker dealer arrangements that each you know advisors are working for or not for, so they just assume since you're the advisor, you must put my best interest first, and you're going to help me make millions and you know we we hear this we just the assumptions are high, and maybe it was a referral, maybe a coworker a friend been with this advisor for two, three years, and the market's been up for the last two, three years, so it really, wasn't really hard for this uh, this uh, client not to make money, so she refers this person to the advisor, and the advisor puts them in. Maybe it's the same investments, but then the market changes, and now you see what you really have. And then when people come to our office, you know we see ill-suited investments like 90% of the time. I mean, a lot of the times people are just in these typical buy and hold strategies, a lot of times these investments haven't changed for five to 10 years in people's portfolio. And I go, really, do you think the market's changed in the the last five or 10 years? (laughs) And should you be in the same investments you were 10 years ago as you are today? Um, They're like, no, I shouldn't. I said, well, nothing's changed. And so what we're really finding out is a lot of the investments, and majority of the time, everybody's portfolio we see, I would say at least nine out of 10 times, um, has investments that they shouldn't be in. Okay. Not suited for them at all.
1: So let's say I'm that person. Let's say I come in and and you tell me, okay, I see a few investments. They don't fit you very well. This is not what you should be in. I shouldn't be completely concerned, right? I mean, I don't have to worry. There are solutions. There are fixes. There's a way to to correct the mistakes you've already made.
0: Yeah, most of the time there are. Uh, Sometimes it's tough situations to be in because maybe they got into a you know a variable annuity that was not fitting for them so let me look at uh you know here for example i i remember about date back 7 8 years ago i was with this this individual in wisconsin and he had about a million dollars of money tied up in i think over like four variable annuity contracts and he thought they were the best thing since sliced bread because on the on the overall picture he thought You know, he was told that he can't lose and it's getting, you know, a guaranteed 6% at the time. And But when we actually broke it down to find out how it really worked, he wasn't getting 6%. He was getting, his future income rider was going up 6%. And it had these, you know, limitations, 10% withdrawals. It also had limitations when he turned 85 years old. That he had to annuitize the contracts of all of these contracts, which means you're really trading in over your your money for lifetime income. And he's like, I I don't understand. He goes, I I don't need income. You, he he has a he had a high pension, great social security. He wasn't even spending that money. He was getting residually. He goes, I just wanted something safe that grew that I, I could give my kids as an inheritance. I never have any intention taking money out of this account. So why do I have this income rider? You know, so when things get really exposed, you can get out of it. And unfortunately for him, he was out of the, there was a period holding, we were able to get, get him out of that and get him into something that didn't uh, cost him any money. And so he wasn't subject to those rules anymore. But some people, if they've just got into one of those investments recently, you could be stronghold, you could be tied up like a like handcuffed to those those poor investments for a period of the time till you can actually get out so we will help people get out of these investments um, if it's not suitable for them you know we don't do that from day one we actually do this through a series of appointments we we educate you about what you have and you know and then we ask you is this you believe suitable for you if it is great you keep it if it's not suitable for you well what's the ramifications get out. Is it going to cost you money to get out or is it not going to cost you money? What's the pros? What's the cons? And so you fully can understand uh, your situation.
1: I'm assuming that if you're able to get out of these unsuitable investments that it can make a pretty significant impact on your financial plan, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And here's another example. I had uh, somebody just recently and they had, well, again, some more variable annuities. We see these a lot. Um, we don't offer these to our clients, but these specific variable annuities this client had for 20 plus years. It was, I think, 25, 26 years, a couple of them. And they thought, again, they were getting a guaranteed 5 or 6%, but really what that was was their income would go up 5 or 6% each year. But they would have to annuitize to get that income, which, again, once they started income, just say at, say, 65 years old or whatever the age they wanted to start that, they had to trade away the money that was in account to give it away to the company and they were gonna give them lifetime payments and you know, it's it's a big risk to take is to turn that money into a pension because if you don't live long enough, and usually they do a, a lifetime income with a 10-year certain is uh, is how that works. So if, if you only live nine years on that payment, they only have to guarantee one more year payment to somebody else and then that, that's done. They can wipe, wipe their hands clean of that, and they don't owe anybody any money, and so that's a big risk to take. So if you're going to be stuck with those those bad investments, it's going to be a big impact. So it was our our we give solutions about what we can do to make it a big change, and so they don't have to be subject to those rules again of being forced to take income, um, the risk of not your children or even your spouse not getting any any of that money left over if you were to pass. There's a lot of these big implications if you leave these bad investments in place.
1: Well, if you want to get a second opinion on your investments and the products that you're in, uh, this would be a great time to do it. And Mike and his team welcome you in and we'll look over your entire portfolio, look at your plan and make sure it makes sense for you because everything's specific to you and uh, what your goals and needs are. So look them up online, principalpreservationservices.com. That number is 855-987-8888. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Time now for the mailbag. We're going to dive in and uh, answer a couple of listener questions before we close out the show. We do this uh, as much as we can. So if you ever have anything, send it in. Online at PrincipalPreservationServices.com, where you can also connect with us on Facebook as well, and we'll bring it onto the show and try to answer it uh, right here. So today's question comes in from Denver. How much long-term care coverage is recommended? It seems there are hundreds of different policy options.
0: There are a lot of different long-term care options out there, and, you know, the recommended depends on age-wise, it depends on health-wise, and are you married or not, so... Um, There's different ways you can get long-term care. You can uh, pay as you go. These are kind of, we say like term insurance for long-term care. You just make payments throughout the years and if you quit making payments, it's done. And that's where a lot of people are, the traditional old school, I should say, long-term care plans and they can increase those payments over time and you i'm sure everybody's heard of somebody was paying a reasonable amount and then it doubled and then it doubled and then they said then they're taking away some of your percentages of, of what it actually pays for but we have a we actually have a uh, software that we show you this is what the average long-term care is today this is private room this is in-home care this is assisted living and this is what it's expected to be at in the next you know, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, so you can we can project for that. Usually we're not looking for our clients to get 100% of their long-term care needs met. What we're, we're looking really for is to make sure that all that in-home care and uh, you know the assisted living is 100% met, and if you had to go into a private room, because that's usually the, the worst and last stage, um, not everybody ends up in a private room immediately, or, or starts there immediately. The goal is just to not wipe out your total portfolio and your whole estate through long-term care. But if you can meet half to two-thirds of your needs, you're probably going to be okay. But we believe in, in asset-based long-term care. That's what we provide our clients in our office. And what that is, is uh, you put in actually through a series of payments that can never increase over a period of time. Or you put in a chunk of, of money, maybe of a sale of a property or had money in the bank that you just buy this insurance. But if you don't use it, you don't lose it. It goes to your kids tax-free. So that's the important part about the asset base. We look at it as really, not really long-term care insurance. It is, but we call it estate insurance. You're ensuring that your estate won't be lost to Medicaid. And that's why we like it for the people who have the ability to do it and have the finances to do it. You're really protecting your estate. So something to really consider in your, your mid to late 50s, early 60s when your health is decent. And uh, you should plan on that.
1: Thanks for the question, Denver. Our next question comes from Tim. I've had the same financial advisor for 20 years, but it seems like he's phasing out of the business and passing things on to a younger advisor in the firm. Should we stick with them or is it time to find someone new? We haven't interacted with this new advisor much, but I can tell I'm already a little frustrated by how long it takes to get an email response back to our questions.
0: Yeah, we see this a lot and you late with. And just because this new advisor has maybe taken over your passive advisor's business, doesn't mean hes you have to be there and stay there, and he hasn't really earned it. The, the previous advisor did, it sounds like, but uh, this new advisor is obviously not living up to your expectations. Maybe you have to give him a chance, maybe you have to have a one-on-one meeting with this new advisor and, and let him know that this is my expectations, this is how uh, your previous advisor would handle things, and let him know if you're not going to relate the same way. Um, you're going to be looking for somebody else. Seriously, you have to have a a really common bond with business friendship-like relationship with your advisor and somebody that you're going to feel comfortable with. So sometimes it's, you only know what you know. And if you've been so close to this firm and this advisor for 20 years, sometimes it's always good to get a different perspective. And uh, there's a lot of people come in our office, just say, you know what, we like our guy. We've been with this guy or gal for uh, the last 15, 20 years, great person, even go to church with them. But we just want to see if, are we not, you know, um, seeing things that we should be seeing? Can you just give us your perspective on things? And sometimes I've given the report card of everything looks good. And sometimes I've, I've get, has a lot of concerns, which, um, so it's always good to get a different perspective. It doesn't hurt for you to, to check out another one or two, just to see maybe they will gel better for you in retirement, but it's okay to give them a, a little chance and give them a little warning to say, this is my expectations. You have my money. <laughs> You're making money off of my money. So, uh, once you, uh, you know, meet my needs, nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Thanks Tim for the question. Uh, if we didn't get your question today, hopefully we will on future episodes, but as always you can send in your questions to Mike at principal or you can call the office if you don't want to have your question answered here, but want to discuss some things further. That number is 855-987-8888. So big takeaway from this episode. You might be in a bad investment now, but there are corrections. But most importantly, you need to get a second opinion. Sit down with Mike or a professional that can look over your entire plan and make sure you are allocated correctly. You're on the right track. The plan meets your needs and goals.